0: All right, we are back on our top 25 voter pod, uh, bringing it back for 2022. Um, as uh, Chad kicks back a long, long neck of something
1: there, it's just a Celsius, it's not a white claw. Okay, <laughs> uh, gentlemen, no, they, won't, they, won't, they won't do this at Baylor press conferences anymore because they got all that our time and everything on there that they don't want to give away. Th- free advertising so Mm. we still have the freedom to drink whatever beverage we want on the air so to speak
0: there you go i'm drinking out of my uh jj watt cup right there remembering the good old days Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's been a while yeah uh (laughs) it has been a while so guys let's talk some basketball though um so you know we've we've talked a lot uh over these last couple years about the transfer portal and just how, um, you know, in college football, college basketball in particular, it has um, been prolific. (laughs) I mean, there's been, you know, full-on college free agency. Um, So how has that impacted Big 12 basketball, either men or women? Has it brought along more parity in your mind?
2: Yeah, Bryce, I I think it has. Um, I think it made uh, the predictions for the season really hard because nobody really knew, you know, what kind of chemistry these teams with all these transfers would have. I I think it's been really good for some. And then for others, I think uh, it hasn't been that great. Uh, You know, Texas was picked number five in the country they're probably going to fall out of the top 25 this week. They just lost at home to Kansas State. So I don't know if it's been that great for them. Others, uh, I I think it's been really good. I I think Oklahoma's made a big improvement. Uh, Baylor and Kansas have had some nice additions. Uh, Texas Tech, I think they've made a great improvement with the transfer portal. So uh, I think it's made the league more unpredictable, and I think it's created more parity.
1: You know, normally when you talk about recruiting and, and building your team year to year recruiting, you're talking about high school, you know, you're talking about freshmen and junior college players, you know, in college basketball, that, that's where, that's where you build your team. And if maybe you had a red shirt guy or something like that. And Baylor is one of the rem- more remarkable cases that they have been able to get guys to red shirt, you know, most places guy in on the floor, if he's not playing 25 minutes, he's looking, you know, looking around, to see where he might go, you know, but the transfer portal and what there was like nineteen hundred players in it last year or something <laughs> crazy like that. It was nuts, and so the transfer portal has become a recruiting field unto itself, and and it's it's opened up a broad broad spectrum of potential players to build your program around that are proven college players uh, that you know um, you know. Th- and they're older you know they're less uh it's it's less risky it's less um you know there's less doubt about whether a guy's going to be able to come in and help you or not uh and so it's like it's it doubles everybody's recruiting field and college basketball has always been a sport where you could turn your team around with one good recruiting class you know Mm -hmm. and now i mean Gosh, like you watch. I mean, obviously, I watch Texas Tech play every minute that they're on, and not I'm not covering another game, you know. But like Adonis Arms from Winthrop, he had the big dunk, you know, that that uh, unfortunately, Matt Mayer got posterized in. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I mean, he was from Winthrop, and you know, probably not in one of your top 100 transfer portal guys, and there was even that kind of recruiting list this last offseason, the top 100 transfer portal guys. And that was an elite list because that's, you know, you had to be in the top 5% of transfer portal guys to be a top 100 player.
2: Yeah, Chad, I, I went through some stats this morning. Uh, three of the top 10 Big 12 scores or transfers. Uh, uh, Iowa State's Isaiah Brockington, he's fourth in the league in scoring. He's from Penn State. Mm-hmm. And he's second in the league in rebounding. Mm-hmm. Uh, four of the five top rebounders are transfers. And the top two uh, assist guys are transfers, including James Akenjo, who's number one. Mm-hmm. So I well, think that shows the impact right there.
0: And even if yeah. you go back to last year's Baylor championship team, the the men, um We look at that team and we think, man, you know, they were really senior led. They, one of the strengths of that team was what they had some continuity. They were together for, for a few years before they uh, made that championship run. And yet Macy Oteague is a transfer. Davion Mitchell is a transfer. Mm -hmm. I mean, even Jared Butler signed somewhere else. Didn't he, John?
2: Yeah. Alabama.
0: He signed with Alabama and then he had the, the heart issue or. Right. Yeah. Uh, and came to Baylor. So, you know, you you can, I think, still build some continuity in the transfer portal era. Um, you know, if you get those transfers and then keep them around for for a few years. But I agree with you guys. It creates a lot of unpredictability. Um, and it also, to me, um, it leads to not getting to know players as much maybe as, as, as previous eras of college basketball, where you felt like, you know, Christian Leitner was Duke, you know, I mean, Grant Hill, you knew those guys now it's, it's much, much more short-lived.
1: Well, that's the NBA's fault as much as the transfer portal's fault though. Um, but uh, and to your point though, like and another factor in this whole transfer portal thing is the COVID eligibility year that that, the guys were given, because like um, one of Texas Tech's players, Marcus Santos Silva, came in as a transfer, as a grad transfer last year, gets an extra year of eligibility. It was like, heck yeah, I'll take it, you know? And he comes back and so he's, he's a grad transfer original, like he was originally a grad transfer and he's providing continuity now in year two uh, at at Texas Tech and then, um, Another, another phenomenon, and, and this is maybe a little bit you know, skewing off what we were talking about, but I was thinking the other, yesterday about, you know, you get a lot of some guys in that are freshmen, five-star freshmen that come in that don't ever really get adjust, adjusted to the college game, and then they're gone. Boom. You know, mm-hmm. that's, kind of, that's another phenomenon of college basketball that, that takes away from the Christian Leitner effect, as you might call it.
0: Yeah, and in talking about the Baylor women, uh, they certainly have benefited in recent seasons from from grad transfer point guards. You know, uh,
1: mm-hmm.
0: They've, mm-hmm. they've you know made a living there. Um, you know, do you feel like Nikki Collin will continue to kind of milk that that transfer portal, uh, just like you know Kim Mulkey did? And and we were talking a little bit about in the pre-show uh, about uh, you feel like, you know, this this Big 12 women's race may be as uh, wide open as ever, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess to, to address the first part of that, I, I, would, I would expect that Nikki Collin will be a big-time player in, in the transfer portal this upcoming season, not just from guards. I mean, Kim seemed like she was going to go with her recruited high school players at post positions and then fill that point guard role as needed at, from a grad transfer but I would suspect that um first of all Baylor didn't have enough players to start this year you know usually went 12 and they were scrapping to get 10 um maybe 14 you know so they're going they're gonna bring in a lot of people and it's gonna be high school players junior college players and transfer portal players um, there's been a lot of noise, certainly not from from me, about the way this Baylor women's basketball season is going. It's, it's clear that they're not the dominant team. I mean, you don't have to be for them or against them to see that they're not the dominant team that they have been. And that's, in a way, I mean, that's kind of, I don't know if they would say it's good, but it's, it's more interesting. It's more interesting to show up at the Ferrell Center and not know you know, that one team is gonna win by fifty points, you know. Well put it this way, it's
0: certainly better for the Big Twelve as a whole, as a yeah, yeah.
1: and that's what you originally asked about was the Big Twelve <laughs> race. And, and although Baylor started out 0-2, and I I've been saying this before conference even started, you're gonna get to the last week of the regular season and there's gonna be three or maybe even four teams that have a chance to I mean Baylor, Oklahoma, Texas, Iowa State, all four of them, you know, might get to the last week with a chance to win it. And you might have a co-champ situation even. I mean, that's not out of of the question. So I I think um, eventually Baylor is going to figure out this deal about, you know, everybody coming for them and them having to play really, really well on a nightly basis, more so than they ever have had to before. Because you know what? Before last year and and the years that I've been on the beat and – probably previous beat writers can speak to this Teams showed up and you could see the fear in their eyes to even take a shot, Mm. you know, and that's, that's not the case anymore. Right.
2: Uh, I I did want to mention that uh, I, you know, uh, every big 12 men's team has at least two wins through about five games so far. mm -hmm. And every team has at least one loss. And I think the winner is going to have, Maybe four losses. You're you're not going to see like a thirteen and one Baylor team last year, or or like a seventeen and one Kansas team anymore. I I I think think, I think if you I think a lot of it's because of the portal.
1: I think if you can get to win twelve in Big Twelve play, you got a chance at it.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah.
1: Uh, well, back to those Baylor men, they were reeling
0: a little bit, Johnny, uh, <laughs> after losses to uh, Texas Tech, which obviously Tech's a, an excellent program. But uh, the Oklahoma State one, to me, really was glaring, especially just the way it played out. They played pretty badly. Um, so how impressive then was, was the road win at West Virginia the other day?
2: Well, I think it was remarkable the way they played. Uh, you know, against Oklahoma State, they couldn't have played much worse. They came out, hit four of their first 20 shots. Against West Virginia on the road with more than 12,000 people there for a 5 p.m. Eastern game, which <laughs> kind of shows you the passion they have for basketball. Baylor hit 12 of their first 19 shots. Just came out playing with a lot of confidence. Um, they got a 30 to 14 lead. West Virginia came back. Uh Baylor kind of weathered that and then pulled away at the end. And this was with a seven-man rotation, basically, with James Akenjo uh, probably been their best player so far out. Um, uh, Jeremy Sohan out for his third straight game. You know, I think, once again, it just shows how good a coach Scott Drew is. He took what he had and he adapted to it. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it was a great win for them
0: yeah you know I don't think that that this crop of guards that they have right now um, are on the same level as Butler and teague and mitchell um mm. but that said are they good enough to win you a big 12 championship maybe uh, I mean they're right now you know they were they were number one you know for a good long stretch there now what they're five or something yeah uh so you know you, you're still putting together a pretty good season and and again there's no shame in losing the tech and you know especially in as we talked about a you know this um murderers row of a big 12 i mean so yeah pretty good win uh who do they have coming up next
2: uh they're at oklahoma and then they'll have kansas state here next And i tell you one thing this
1: late late stretch for Baylor this you know I guess just winning one of their last three really shows you how important Jeremy Sohan is mm. how important of a PC is because he's a big body but he can shoot he's you know he's got great mobility and I, I mean what position does he even play does he play like a three or a four
2: yeah basically but you know he's a guy like Mark Vidal I think he's kind of a glue guy he mm-hmm. can cover a lot of positions he can do a lot of different things, and he he's a, a tremendous athlete. Well, and when yeah, you but not, he
1: could score in three levels, and Mark Vidal could score at one level. <laughs> right, but I mean the other
0: areas.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: To me, where he impacts Baylor the most, maybe is is defensively, mm-hmm. uh, because when you have him and Kendall Brown there as like sort of bookends defensively, um, I mean there those are two big strong young bodies uh that can make it tough to guard and and without um it, it feels like kendall brown maybe you know missing sohan as much as anybody uh, you know just th- yeah. they really played off each other pretty well
2: yeah that's a that's a good ob- observation bryce
0: so let's talk a little bit of twitter trolls how <laughs> about that uh we've all experienced this as a uh, longtime twitter users. Do you feel like these Twitter trolls are out of control? Johnny, you uh, (laughs) experienced the wrath of some Kentucky fans, didn't you?
2: Oh, it wasn't just some, it was hundreds. (laughs) Uh, It was the week before Christmas, Kentucky had beaten North Carolina by 29 points. I thought I'd put down on my poll, uh, Kentucky 19 and North Carolina 22. I had them flipped. So that's what came out. And boy, the next day they came after me, droves and droves and droves. So I finally had to put a Twitter response. Uh, I said, uh, it was a definitely a big oversight for me uh, to pick North Carolina over Kentucky. I understand the p- passion of Kentucky fans. Please don't hate me as much as Leitner. <laughs> I said, Merry Christmas y'all. <laughs> I think that appeased them some.
0: Chad, what about you? have you have you
1: experienced uh, you know I think uh, there's two things Kentucky does well college basketball and meth. <laughs> and uh, the Twitter the Kentucky Twitter fan might be like just the perfect intersection of those two things.
0: Oh my gosh you just <laughs> completely overlooked horse racing and went to meth. We've now, reached, we've now reached the <laughs> off the rails portion of the podcast.
2: <laughs> Chad, they're coming after you. Uh,
1: no, actually, I've I actually got quite a bit of love last week from the Kansas State Nation because I, I voted them number sixteen and, and they had a great resume. I mean, they've beaten o- uh, Oregon and Baylor in back to back games. Um, they. Uh, their two losses of the season had been against like South Carolina and NC state. Although they were lopsided losses in those two games, but I mean, that's, that's all they'd lost. And, and, you know, they've content. I mean, they lost at Texas tech, which Texas tech women's team has been weird. They beat Texas and Austin, they beat Kansas state. Um, and yet they lost to an Oklahoma state team that's under 500. So, um, but yeah, so I voted Kansas State number 16 and they weren't getting like much love anywhere else. And I think they snuck into the poll at like 25 that week. where the Kansas State folks were like, oh, this guy really knows what he's doing. It's nice to see somebody do their research, blah, blah, blah. I can't tell if they were serious or not, but that's what they were saying. I
2: well, don't think you know,
1: they were serious. I think they were like kind of kind of thought it was funny that I voted on that high.
0: Yeah, so I, I, go ahead, John.
2: Yeah, I've I've done these polls on and off for thirty years, and I think when they started publishing individual votes, I think it was first meant to kind of just show how voters are, you know, voting regionally and that kind of stuff. But when Twitter came along, it came it became a way for fans, overzealous fans, to attack voters, and uh, you know, well, like uh, th- they've gone after. Uh, the Kansas City Star beat writer Jesse Newell this week. The uh, uh, the Auburn fans went after him because he voted them ninth uh, instead of whatever, top five. And that's the reason they weren't number one over Gonzaga. But to me, it's, you know, it's each person's vote. It's
0: your it, conscience. I mean, that's what I say. Uh, the other thing, it's hardly. Twitter trolls are hardly limited to top 25 basketball polls. Uh, You know, I mean, we see sort of viciousness on social media. Uh, Again, it's not just limited to Twitter either. Um, All over the place and and to the point where, um, you know, I know a a lot of women reporters have dealt with Mm -hmm. really nasty, ugly, Sexist type uh, behavior on Twitter, and that's to me, that's where um, you know it's crossing a
1: line that's that, that people shouldn't just cross. I mean, uh, but Bryce, I like- that's why I say complaining about people's behavior on Twitter is like complaining about how your burger is cooked at McDonald's. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, the other thing I was gonna say because I mean, you're not you're not coming to a place where it's known. For good burgers you know right. it's crappy burgers it's crappy behavior that's what twitter is <laughs>
0: <laughs> no there's a lot of truth to that uh the other thing i was gonna say the, chad you may dispute this okay. but i i'm gonna stand by it uh i feel like i'm a little bit less sensitive than the two of you guys uh <laughs> whereas uh, you know if if I remember the days that I was voting in the women's top 25 poll when I was on the uh, the women's beat. Um and I freaking loved it
1: when they would come after me. I'd be like, you know, because you know me, I'm like ready for a fight, just about each I was gonna you know? say, and I mean this as a total compliment, Bryce. Of the three of us, you're the most likely to court confrontation.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's fair.
1: <laughs> that's fair. It's also why
0: Kim Moki and I didn't always get along. <laughs> 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 and with that, <laughs> we're going to close down this episode of Top 25 Voter Pod. We'll bring it back next week. It's fun to to uh, talk about some of these topics, but good to see you boys and enjoy the games.
2: Thank you, Bryce.
0: All right.